Ops win. I know. Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. Yes, you will you witness will. strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. You this will. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another fine edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Pollock, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, the co-founder of Parascience, Ron Pollock. Anyways, uh, <laughs> you promoted me, right? No. Oh, I can see a war coming on here. <laughs> uh, anyways... Um, also with me all the way across the pond, well, actually, he's not across the pond, he's right next to me, uh, he is uh, Steve Parsons. Good afternoon again, Ron. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm very well. Pass me that coffee over. Oh, here you go. Thank you. Would you like a bit of crumpet with that? No, thank you. Okay. And, of course, we're broadcasting live right here on Tojanet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. You can catch up. Us on iTunes and the podcast, and also you can listen to us on your smartphone if the phone is really smart and has a tuning app. So there you go. You're done now. Yeah, so I'm done. So, anyways, um, I, you know, I really thank you so much for uh, promoting me into uh, Parascience. I appreciate that. That was uh, quite the shock. I was really surprised. Oh, you're welcome. We didn't promote you to co-founder, though. Yeah, have you uh, told in yet? I just, uh, well, you're a member of the group. Anne knows. No, yeah, nothing. It, nothing it, happens it, in parasites without Anne say so. Anne says I'm now. I mean, Steve says I'm now tri co-finer. I guess. I guess. I don't know. Mm, you'd have to go back in time, twenty-five plus years. Well, that's not a time machine. <laughs> Anyways, uh, joining us, and and let's get serious now. Okay. Um, <laughs> She is the real co-founder of Parascience, unlike me. That was all dribble, by the way. Um, and Winsper. Winsper? Winsper? Yes, Winsper indeed. Hello. Hi, how are you, Anne? I'm fine, thank you very much. Well, uh, welcome to Ghost Chronicles again. And actually, you know, I'm glad you're here, because maybe you guys can help me with something. Um, on Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition show, we I had this article from the Daily uh, Mail. I, I no. believe <laughs> I Don't bother reading it. What was that? Don't bother reading it if it was the Daily Mail. This isn't oh. going to go well, is it? <laughs> the Daily Mail is, is not a reputable newspaper? No. It's called the da- you know, we call it the Daily Fail over here. Oh. So I suppose there's no truth in this article that I, that I found in... in we don't well, know what the article is yet. It's it's rather a long one, but uh, th- there's a thing called the A3. I think that's a highway or something. Is it, is it in England called the A3? Is there a road yeah. like that? Well, there is the A3, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that that's a real road then, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, Portsmouth is a real town in London, right? Well, it's not yeah. in London, but it's a town. Okay, so so we're good, we're good. And and is there a place... I, 
being being psychic, are you talking about the did the driver see the ghostly replay of a death crash on the M3 on the A3? There you go. Wow, you are good. Google's good. <laughs> <laughs> I was just behind you. <laughs> so, so are the you problem prov- is I can't go to the Mail Online site to look at it because I've blocked it because I hate it so much. Oh, no, I'm reading. The, I'm reading the Daily Mail. Oh, here we go. Get Surrey has got the same thing. Ah, there you go. Just oh, 20 but... yards from the reported crash and buried in the twisted undergrowth was the remains of a wrecked car containing yeah. the skeleton of a man. Its lights were off, the battery dead and long since died, as indeed the driver by the sound of it, and the body was badly decomposed. Well, it would be if it was a skeleton. Uh, but basically, uh, there, was this, there was this... People saw this car accident, but... And reported it. And when they went there, there was no cars. But a little further, 20 yards from where they thought there was happening, they found this, this car with the skeleton in it. And so, on, you wasn't know. This also, wasn't this, what, was this the X-Files or some other Stephen mm. King program? Well, this, uh, this actual story is from two years ago anyway, because it was the 10th anniversary, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but wasn't there, wasn't, there, was a, there was a movie or a TV program where the ghost kept appearing at the roadside and eventually the ghost hunters or the investigator went along and found the crashed vehicle at the bottom of the ravine. But that was set in America. This smacks of urban legend, doesn't it? Mm, definitely. Well, I mean, and it's the for... Daily Mail, so... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why I came to you guys. I know that parascience is based on fact. I mean, there's no fooling around with parascience. You guys are, you know, it's a no-op zone. It's a really, you know, basically down-to-earth society. So... I mean, can you find out if there is any facts to this for me? I mean, there must be a, you know, could you, like, can you call the police station and say, was there ever... Well, the, I don't know what your article says, because obviously I'm reading what might be right. a slightly different one, but it says that Surrey Police said that the incident had only ever been a regular road traffic collision, and the car was obscured by leaves and branches, which was why it wasn't reported earlier. Right, and if motorists had seen it, they probably assumed it was already being dealt with. So, so can we? Is there truth to this article? Is what I basically I want to? I think probably there's a core of truth, and then people have elaborated on it quite spectacularly. Mm-hmm. But it does. There was definitely somebody in the chat room, or you know, email us and tell us what the name of the film or the TV program um, that it was done I, in, I have no set clue. in America. About uh, Steve, but that's all right. But it was definitely done on a on a on a show. Um, really? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So but it I was mean, set in the states. So that being said, I mean, let's if we we took this article for a somewhat uh, you know truth it, that there was a car accident and a body was found, and someone did report an accident that of course, didn't happen in that time. Does that make sense? I mean, would is that possibly uh, some supernatural incident we're talking about? Wow. Uh, well, the, the only answer we can really give you is um, we're not aware of this particular case, and so okay. anything that we say would be pure speculation. I understand. Okay, uh, I, I see that. So, and it you... does, you know, it does smack of embellishment. 
Right, but can we, can we find, can you check it out? And I mean, is it difficult for you to check that out and find out if there is any truth to it for us? Well, just add it to the to-do list. No, I shouldn't imagine it would be too difficult. If, if, the, if the, I mean, we know the name of the police force and we know the area of the accident. So it, yeah. it should be, you know, it should be fairly well documented um, mm-hmm. and thereby relatively straightforward to, to check up on. Um, but actually, do you know what? It, it makes me mindful of a, of a road ghost that we actually did investigate some years ago, um, which over here in the UK has been considered to be one of the most famous haunted roads and certainly a road with a terrifying reputation for accidents and uh, crashes, many of which were put down as being unexplained. Really? Um, which takes uh, it's a road that runs essentially between Manchester and Sheffield, the Stocksbridge bypass, known as the Haunted Road. Um, it was built originally as part of an aborted Transpennine motorway network, um, and rather, you know, pretty well straight away after it was finished. In fact, while it was being built. Uh, there were reports of security guards seeing groups of children playing at night near the road um, and a, a spectral figure appearing um, on a, a, a partially completed bridge over the road described mm-hmm. as looking like a monk. And apparently, the best story of all, two policemen were parked on the road just before completion um, and they saw something move. Uh, they They investigated. They went to sit in the car um, and whilst he was sitting in the car, the the car was attacked. Um, it was it was beaten upon. It was attacked. It was shaken. It was beaten upon. Really? Um, by this uh, black figure. Uh, when they got out, there was no figure to be seen, um, and there was no damage to the police car. But at, according to the story, both the policemen. Um, did testify and fill in the, their uh, statements to the fact that the event took place. Um, and there have been hundreds of accidents that have been put down as unexplained. However, as time went on, it, it was you know, quite, a, quite a celebrated haunted uh, location uh, for a number of years uh, throughout you know, early ghost hunting back in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, and quite a number of paranormal groups, as existed then, which was a lot less than existed now, did, in de- you know, spent time uh, on the Stocksbridge bypass and the surrounding le- uh, lanes and roads, uh, including parasites. The truth turned out, actually, to be the orientation of the road um, because it faced more or less east-west and was in such a position that, the, that the, at certain times of the year and certain times of day, of course, the sun would be at a particular sort of, you know, in-your-face angle mm-hmm. and people were, were sort of slewing around on the road and having accidents. And plus the design of the road, it was, a two, it was two lanes on one side, single carriageway on the other, and you had overtaking vehicles trying to get round onto past each other. And it was a very dangerous stretch of road, which the highways agency um, spent some time addressing, and the accident rate has actually gone down now, as have the number of ghostly sightings. Um, I dare say it still appears occasionally um, well, in, let me, in investigation let me, reports. Let me, let me ask Anne this, because Anne, we're speaking with Anne Winsworth, who she is the co-founder of Parascience. Anne, if you were given this information as a case, someone approached you and said, okay, this is the, the facts that we have, how would you go about 
investigating this as pyroscience. Oh, well, Steve's the one who normally takes the case at first sight, um, rather than me. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I get involved when there's hints of psychology involved. Um, I tend to look after that bit, but the first... For a case like this, you need to gather all the facts first, go to see the place, find out what's going on, talk to any of the witnesses. If they, if the legend, because I'm going to call them legends, because that's, that's what they usually are, um, mm-hmm. if it involves the police, you can talk to the police, find out whether they officially have a line on the story. Right. Now, do you, in, in the UK, I know that in, in, in uh, the US we have uh, Freedom of Information Act here, which allows us access to certain uh, yes, things. we have it here too. I spend half my time in work answering the damn things <laughs> rather than doing my job. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, would you, under that act, would you ask for police reports or, or anything around, uh, because evidently they have, uh, yeah, they definitely have time and they have a, a date on it. So uh, would you ask for information regarding that? Is that something you would do with uh, as parasites the information you require really so um, that will be a valid way of backing up any information that's been given to you while simultaneously annoying some poor person in the police department who has to dig the information out (laughs) that's what you're paying for you know I I pay them to stop burglars really but (laughs) well you know the the first thing I'd ask is to what purpose would we want to do an investigation of, of the reports anyway? Um, you know, if it, is it just to, 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 you know, work out the validity of a story in a newspaper? Because right, you know, well, say, say, wait a minute. Say the Wall Street Journal came up to you and said, "Okay, we've picked up this off off the AP, uh, and we're looking for a rep, reputable group." And since you're the gold standard and ghost hunter coin to us, uh, we thought you would. Uh, we, we'd love to hear your opinion of uh, this particular case. Yeah, See, that's they, slightly different but, from something like the article that was in the mail, because the article that was in the mail, I can guarantee you, within five minutes, there'd be fifty paranormal groups crawling all over. The place. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, it's just not worth us even starting. Yeah, you see, the other thing as well is. Um, what you've what you've put forward there is a completely different scenario where you've got a request for further information like you made at the start of the show right. uh, there, there is a reason for us to to look in depth at the at the report because yeah, that, that's what i'm trying to give you but, a, a, and if something to but you if know, you know if we saw the report in the paper the first thing that you know we would do is well you know does it serve any useful purpose to psychical research for us to bother surrey police just to find out whether there's any truth in this well the answer is no because mm-hmm. you know it doesn't serve psychical research any any you know any value um so we wouldn't we wouldn't necessarily do anything. Well, the, the interesting thing, one of the the big questions I had regarding this uh, when I first read this article, of course, was, okay, there was a report to the police that an accident occurred. Of course, it didn't. It did months. The actual accident, of course, the thing happened months before. But so, my, my uh, curious question would be: Has anybody seen this accident occurring again? 
since they found the the, the uh, abandoned car or the, the with the skeleton in it. Again, I would I would ask you to what purpose would it serve psychical would, research? Actually, my purpose on that would be for absolute research because then I would tend to uh, add to the thing of whether it's uh, really paranormal or not. Being that, okay, uh, if these accidents, uh, uh, if people see in this accident, even though there were, uh, many times. Uh, and then it stopped after the discovery of the car, then it, it could be very much coincidence, but you would have to tend to look at that a little more uh, seriously the, as a paranormal event rather than just, you know, some psychological event. And don't forget that, <clears throat> pardon me, there had already been a report of somebody seeing the car go off the road. Right. So... You know, there's especially in place. There's, it's obviously an area where people are li- likely to have an accident because somebody did. I mean, very safe roads. It's exactly. unusual for people to be having accidents. So, uh, was it on a bend? Can't see the details. But uh, um, I couldn't find anything. No. Yeah, it doesn't really say, does it? But there are certain areas where, as Steve said. Um, you can have a difficult road and a play of the lights. And this might have happened loads of times. People might have phoned the police loads of times previously and said, I've seen something unusual. And they've gone to investigate and there's nothing there. And that's not made the news because it's not news. It's only that this particular time there was something there that it suddenly made the news. Exactly. And, and to me, it, it's it's much... It's a much more interesting case because of the finding of the car. I mean, if there are many, many stories of, you know, like phantom hitchhikers and, and that type of thing, urban, urban legends uh, where, you know, accidents occur supposedly and, and there's nothing there. But this, okay, so you would have sightings, there were reports to police, the police finally investigated, they do find this car. Now, I'm curious to find out, you know, would the the uh, the cycle, if it is paranormal, still continue even though they found the car in, in perhaps well, the body? The thing well, is, it's less likely to now because if people see something, uh-huh. um, well, they're more likely now because it's been in the paper. But after all that time, they're less likely to report it as paranormal. There will be, I would think, <coughs> pardon well, I'm not interested. A, a huge upsurge of reports, and then reports would go down again because people wouldn't necessarily assign it a paranormal reason if they just saw a bit of a foggy bit of light or something. Yeah, see, that's I'm not trying to assign it as a paranormal. Uh, I, I, the reports, if, were there any reports after the the car was found? No, no. Uh, it's how it's what's also what you're forgetting as well is. Uh, it could also be a false positive because how many re- how many times did people think that they saw something and somebody went to look and there wasn't a car there? Then somebody had an accident and then all of a sudden there was a car there. So they go, oh, my God, it was, you know, how many people took it? It's rather like dreams, isn't well, see, it? That's you know, the precognitive dreams. <laughs> exactly. You, you, you know, if you... You have several dreams a night, but you only have precognitive dreams when 
they come true. Yeah, and they're the ones the that you remember. You, you cast away all of the others. You forget about it, that the others took place at all. Yeah, but this case is so intriguing because you 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 have actual no, reports. Yeah, but you don't actually know, you know, how close to the to the site of the site, how close to where the sightings were alleged to take place was the vehicle found. You know, we have we have similar incidents. We have haunted roads out here in West Wales, right? Um, and a fig, a fig, well, I mean, you know, we've got them all over the country as you have over there, but you know. There's one in particular quite close, quite close to where I am, and it made the news a, a couple of years ago because people were reporting a figure. The figure was always associated with a death that took place. However, the sighting of the figure and the death, although they were on the same road, were actually, you know, a good distance apart and and could not be linked you know physically and geographically but people made the link and the fact that there's a car found on one side of the a3 with a skeleton in it and somebody seeing you know an apparition at the side of it the a3 doesn't necessarily relate to the same event I understandable, but to, so you wanted to start, you wanted us to start investigating it like parascience. So here we go. We're tearing it to bits first to see if it to see if there's anything in well, it. Well, actually, you're not investigating. You're just tearing it to bits. The way I look at no, it. No, we're not. This I, is I, this I get is very the, clear. You don't. This take, is the process not, that we go through. This is you're the not process. It serious. So I yes, mean, we are. to me, that that's the first mistake you're making is you're not taking it serious. No. In any case, you investigate, you certainly should take serious. No, which we, we are because we're we trying are. to see if there's anything actually there and you can't do that by just running into it head first we're asking all of the questions that every investigator should ask themselves before they even set foot out the door and well okay I, I understand that I mean but uh, to me I, I like this case in a lot because you can collect reputable data on it and, and that be in the reports to the police if and you yeah reputable data in the first source is the daily mail <laughs> you just invalidated <laughs> See, what i mean <laughs> exactly all right that's that's exactly what i'm talking about you're, you're not taking it serious so i mean okay well, let's go on and talk about edps and something else so. that's fine so anyways Ian, you've begun your research we had um mike markwitz on here who has been doing a, a lot on evps but uh, you're looking more on the psychological effect of uh, EVP, EVPs, uh, which I find fascinating as well, is why we hear what we hear. And that's one phase of the, the, the subject that we don't really hear too much about. So um, have well, you begun? Yeah, because obviously I couldn't start looking at um, whether EVPs are the voices of the dead as such, because no university had funded me, but I can look at why we hear what we think we hear and I also would like to build up a profile of the people who hear these EVP voices because I'm trying to keep it completely neutral and down the middle but a lot of research in the paranormal field basically comes out with the conclusion they're all a bit mad. Uh, they've even invented all sorts of scales uh, to say, well, they're not schizophrenic, 
but everybody can be on this continuum from schizophrenic to normal and everyone falls part way on this scale and the people who hear these things are just slightly further up the scale because basically a lot of the results are coming back showing that actually these people are just perfectly normal people but they happen to be experiencing things so I think there's a misperception that what I'm trying to do and what sometimes we do in parascience is that we're just trying to rubbish everything and that's not actually true but we do as we've just shown try and pick it apart to get to the mm -hmm. core of the truth about it and that could go either way mm -hmm. well, as I said I can't be biased because I'm doing research but rather than actually doing EVP and seeing if I get anything if it sounds like proper EVP I'm looking at the psychology of the people who regularly go out and get EVPs and I'm also looking at what's actually in the sounds that they're hearing because sometimes if you start to pick them apart they're not people will say oh this says hello this is Uncle Fred but when mm. you listen to it it's not actually saying that but there are little bits of sound, little bits of phonemes that you can actually make those words out of. Because uh, that's what we do. That's what we do. We don't actually have to hear the whole of what someone's saying to make out what they're saying. You can actually take quite big chunks out of speech and people will still understand what you're saying. However, the interesting thing is if you get a sentence and chop bits out and just leave blank noise, people have trouble making it out but if you take chunks out of a sentence and fill the chunks with white noise mm -hmm. people can hear the sentence no problem so, so is this and is this kind of like uh our own vision because i really uh you know we only see a very small yes. percentage of what we see and our yes. brain actually fills in the rest correct is that kind of what we're doing with EVT? it is it is very much, but nobody's actually done the research on it because traditionally the sceptical side of parapsychology has always just looked at it and gone, well, obviously it's not true. And nobody's actually done the research to find out exactly what's going on. Mm -hmm. Hence the so, reason I'm currently having a nervous breakdown trying to get participants <laughs> to do my study. <laughs> That's another thing that drives me nuts too. Is is you think people who are would be really interested in doing this type of stuff, and, and no matter what you, you're studying, there, there should be, you know, it's an important part of what we do. So, um, but so how 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 about how would you even, you know, go about doing a study like this? I mean, it is it, so many variables in it. Well, this is, of course, a problem because every time I start to do something, I think of another 10 experiments we could do. So it's, it's been quite difficult trying to keep it to just one track. But, um, well, the first part of the study is basically questionnaire based to look at the psychology side. But then moving on from that, um, I'm going to be sticking people in a laboratory and playing them various sound clips and seeing what they hear or what they don't hear. And I've got a very nice chap in Cambridge University who said he'll do my sound files for me, which has relieved me greatly. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry I have to interrupt you now, but we actually have to go to break right now. And, and uh, I'm really curious about how you're going to go forth with this because I, 
like I said, there's so many variables. It's so interesting. Anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojanet, Parex, Ghost Channel, and beyond, and maybe on your TuneIn app on your smartphone with uh, Steve Parsons and Ron Fullerton, our uh, special guest, and Whisper, co-founder of Parasite. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give the awards to the Parax family. All right. Hi, I'm Ron Kolek, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so Ann, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And cemetery tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then. galloping sound of the world's slowest horse brings us back into part two of ghost chronicles international we're live on Toginet, para x the ghost channel and beyond and we're not live if you're listening to the podcast itunes or some other recording that somebody made you um i'm steve parsons in the land of the welsh dragon and uh on the other side of the pond we have the co-host ron kolek new england's very own Van Helsing, and our very special guest tonight is the co-founder of the world's best paranormal investigation team, bar none, Anne Winsper, and the subject of tonight's talk is Anne's really difficult PhD, 
which is looking at the only one I am aware of looking at EVP. And I think it's the psychology of EVP, actually. Well, yeah, but I didn't want to bore people. I didn't want to go on too long with the intro like you do. Oh, whatever. Anyways, and <laughs> anyways, and before the break was was talking and telling us a little bit about how she was about to undertake the study, and and first she talked about the questionnaires and everything, and and I, I had a concern about the variables involved, and and I, I just am amazed that the uh, you know how much this, this how many variables that could really happen to. So I'm I'm curious of how you can control everything. That's the, that's the interesting thing. I know you were talking to us a little bit about some working with somebody who uh, is an audio expert, I believe. Yes, yes, that's right. Um, the standard answer would be it's a psychology experiment. You never manage to control all the variables. Um, but I think we can probably control enough variables to get the information I'm looking for. Um, I was just telling you we're in parasites. We can do this shit. <laughs> <laughs> we can do it. Hey, not difficult. <laughs> we were the group. Remember, we were the group that dealt the death blow to the orb. We we got on top of infrasound. Oh, in the UK. Yeah, uh, we got on top of infrasound, and uh, for 2014, we're going to kill the K2. <laughs> Marvelous. That'll be a fun job. Oh, we've got the experiment underway. Really? <laughs> yep. While you're killing K2s, I'm going to be playing white noise to people and ruining their hearing for the rest <laughs> of the <laughs> That is a joke, I should say. <laughs> the question, the question I, I guess it kind of goes with that, Anne, is, is will you actually be playing them EVPs per se, or will you be playing uh, created audio uh, sounds? I feel like I'm giving all anyone who's listening to this program won't be able to take part because I'm giving all my secrets away here. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Don't, <laughs> don't worry, and don't worry, nobody listens. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah. I mean, we can go. We can go in other directions. I apologize. Yeah, it's like a secret. It's like a secret society. This show, nobody's listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 we can go in a different direction. That's not a problem. Anyway, I mean... Because unfortunately, it, that's one of the other variables that you have to be careful of, that you don't let the cat out of the bag so everyone right. knows what's I understand. What's so let's forget about that. Then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If she told you, she'd have to kill you. I know. Uh, now Everybody else is standing in line. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Steve, you and Ian have been working together for quite a few years. And, and I guess... Uh, is more handles the psychology end of parascience in no in, that's not well no I mean that's only her um, you know her, her job title what uh -huh. she actually ha what she actually handles is the entirety of parascience because I run the rest of the group and and runs me so <laughs> <laughs> she just tells me what needs doing and my job is to make it happen or to get shouted at but it's not about parascience we've I'm sure people are sick to death of hearing about parascience um, besides which, our website is, needs updating. We don't want to draw too much attention to the group at the moment. <laughs> yes, that's entirely <laughs> my fault, I should say. I've been too busy <laughs> go crawling around all the local ghost groups going, please take part in my study. You've got to put out an appeal now, actually. Yes. Um, Off you, 
If there is anyone who would like to take part in my wonderfully exciting PhD research, um, the first bit of it consists entirely of questionnaires and you're under no obligation, even if you say you're going to take part, to carry on taking part. It's proper study done through the Ethics Committee and everything, um, but you can email to let me know you're interested. Um, oh gosh, I've got a huge long email. Is the Parascience one better? Because it's yeah. short and snappy. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just anything you like at parascience.org.uk. There you go. Anything you like. Send it to something like study at parascience. Yeah. Yes. Or an at. Or, yes. well, it could be anything you like at parascience. Anything it, you like. Yeah, it all works. It's bizarre. You can type <laughs> anything. I hate Steve at parascience. It gets there. <laughs> <laughs> but I would be very grateful if people would want to take part. So, Anne, let me ask you this: uh, uh, Do they have to be physically there, or can they do that from the U.S. or, or the what? questionnaire bits? Uh, we can do by email. Um, obviously, for the listening tests, um, mm. it's—I'm really going to have to be in the room with them. Although if people want to fund me to do a tour of the USA, then that's absolutely fine. I'll bring my laptop and we'll do it that way. But uh, certainly the questionnaire bits we can do by email. Okay. Never say never to the second part either. Well, <laughs> the interesting thing, you get, it, the way in the electronic world we are in now, you can almost do the listening bits uh, as well in audio. Uh, the problem is it's got to be controlled for things like the volume um, because people have got different equipment and they might listen to it at different volumes that would invalidate it because they might be more likely to hear it um, in the last study I did like this I strictly controlled all the sound clips excellent and to exactly the right sound level because I did some tests to find uh, what the level was that people could hear 50% of the time, which is the level that you use for the actual study. Then I threw in a couple that were louder to make sure that people didn't have hearing problems. So if you're sending it out for them to use on their own equipment, it just invalidates all of those I controls. Yeah. Once again, that variables. <laughs> Life is full of variables. <laughs> but, but actually, you know, Ghost hunters are particularly well equipped to deal with uh, handling so many variables because in the world of parapsychology, they go into the, the, you know, the lab, which is a very tightly controlled environment, and conduct experiments where they do you know, uh, pretty well establish and a, a degree of control over most of the variables. However, if you look at what ghost hunters do, they go into what is essentially chaos and they still have to establish some degree of control in order to uh, get valid data and information from the, from the case investigation. So ghost hunting is actually, I'd say, a, a very good baseline tool for somebody who wants to uh, undertake parapsychology, um, particularly if you're planning on doing experiments where you do have to control variables. We're just good at it. I think it works far better if people start off as ghost hunters and then move into the lab-based stuff than the other way around. Yeah, parapsychologists really ought not to be allowed into haunted locations unsupervised. Um, and, and, especially, 
and and especially when it comes to using equipment. In fact, um, this year's SPR conference that was the main thrust of my uh, of my presentation, um, and it's did something get, that did you get booed? No. <laughs> well, what was interesting actually was this is parapsychologist for you. For 45 minutes, I railed at them at why parapsychologists uh, really shouldn't be doing um, ghost hunting. And if they are going to measure things, then they ought to measure it properly using the defined international standards that exist for measuring things. So when a parapsychologist um, wrote a review of the conference and of my talk, he said that I had done the entire talk ranting about ghost hunters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> completely missed the point missed the and, then had, uh, and then had a pop at parasites for being anti-religious oh there you go yeah we, ne- we never quite worked that one out did we <laughs> no <laughs> but it was clear he'd got, he'd got he'd gone off sightseeing on the day that we did the talk <laughs> and uh, you know he, he, he wasn't present um, and we get this a lot actually another year Anne and I did a talk uh, a presentation for the Society for Psychical Research entitled Have the Lunatics Taken Over the Asylum? And the the whole essence of the talk was essentially that parapsychologists have sort of psychologists have taken over the SPR, uh, which used to be the domain of uh, classicists, physicists, you know, a whole wide range of scholars uh, and, um, you know, lay, lay interested people. And that in you know since the sort of 1960s 1970s it's become mainly the domain of the psychologist. So the upshot of this was that they all decided that yes they should they should in fact get out more and go ghost hunting more and study spontaneous cases more, which lasted until I think after lunch wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> they all came up at lunchtime and said, oh, we've got to come out and a ghost hunt with you guys. Well, okay, never heard from them again. Oh. So, yeah, they're, they're just not the right people to, you know, if, if ever a parapsychologist comes knocking at your door to investigate your haunted house, turn them away. Shoo them away, close the door, and think yourself lucky. Particularly if they're waving bits of, you know... Parapsychology is littered with experiments where parapsychologists have measured things. They've measured electromagnetic fields. They measured infrasound. They've they've measured people's responses to electronic voice phenomena. Um, and a high school kid doing you know high school level physics can drive a coach and horses through the idiotic measurements uh, that they're doing and the, the terrible way in which they're using the equipment. Really, you know, it's, it's it's embarrassing some of the mistakes that they make. But because their 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 work is peer reviewed by other genius psychologists, what happens then is, of course, it gets published in the journals and becomes accepted by the rest of the gang. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all think, yeah, that's that must be why infrasound at nineteen hertz makes people see ghosts. Okay. Sorry, okay. Anne. Just, no, no, I know. No. I, I know. Anne's a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but technically speaking, when you finish your PhD, you'll have a PhD in psychology. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so you're just as bad as me. No, that's because oh. psychologists have hijacked the area of, of of my PhD. It's actually physics, but you know. Hmm. So, so Ian, I mean, 
do you use your your psych, psych, psychologist experience as uh, or your psychic abilities? Yeah, <laughs> uh, about that's that's the, another way of looking at it. This depend could be from fifty years from now the psychologists uh, could be the psychics of whatever. Anyways, um, does that aid you in, for instance, when you you have a case and and you have eyewitness testimony? Do you? Do you have a questionnaire, for instance, that you give the witnesses that that help you give insight into their uh, psychology at the time or their psychology now, what, what their mindset is? Um, it all depends on the case, actually. But what the approach that I come from is whatever people say they saw is what they saw. Mm -hmm. Um whether it's because they've misinterpreted something or whether there's a ghost, a real ghost appeared in front of them is not the initial uh, concern. My concern is to get a full story from them about what they experienced, what they saw, heard, felt, whatever, because that's what we've got to go on. And regardless of whether it's misperceived or a true paranormal experience, whatever one of those is, it's the subjective experience that we're ultimately looking at. If it's something that's recurring or lots of other people see it, then obviously we can take it further than that. But that first initial contact is all about the subjective experience of the witness. For me, anyway. You've got to also admit it at this point, Anne, that you, you do uh, give out these psychological questionnaires to all of our team. Oh, gosh, yes. Um, because... <laughs> Ah, but that's because we're taking... That's yeah. different. That's rather than one situation with one apparent paranormal phenomena, we're taking all the same people out to a variety of different locations. And because of that, it will be handy to see if certain people react in certain ways to certain stimuli. If we know there's somebody who always has quite bad night vision and sees things whenever they're in semi-darkness, they always see the ghost of a pink elephant, then we know that actually if they're in a haunted castle and they see the ghost of a pink elephant, it's unlikely to be something tied to that location because they always see the ghost of a pink elephant when we stick them in semi-darkness. So I do carry out that sort of work on our own members of the team because it helps to get a picture of how our team react in those situations. But it's different if you're going round to someone's house or place of work because you're just looking at that one situation then. Sorry, mm -hmm. I toned off that slightly. No, I think that's interesting. I mean, of course, now that I'm a member of Parascience, I should take a psychological test too, right? You have to have a rectal probe as well. You don't mind that. <laughs> don't no, that's, that's physics. No, that's, isn't that the UFO? Uh, no, we, we, have in, we have in the past, uh, we've never resorted to a rectal probe, but we have threatened somebody with one. Um, but we have, I think we were the very first to actually uh, implement uh, the use of a EEG in a haunted location, mm -hmm. which we did in 2007. Uh, where we strapped an investigator to an electroencephalograph and recorded their brainwaves while we tormented them, while we um, had them investigate the location. <laughs> Sorry, I nearly said tormented them then. I did something similar to with the medium. What, tormented them? Uh, both. 
But and unfortunately, uh, the uh, electronics was not that good. Evidently, animals killed it too. So um, yeah. we never got that one past the ethics committee where we were yeah, trying. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, but anyways, I think we have a question in the chat room from uh, Ghost Girl. Do you want to take that, Steve? Do you see it? Yeah. Uh, do you ask what kind of med- medicines they take? Is the question, and. Um, Anne, I think you you know the response. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and why we can. <laughs> yeah. What? Appropriate to ask is if they're on medications. As I work in a pharmacy, then it's sort of my area to ask that kind of stuff. Um, but it can be relevant. I mean, obviously, we wouldn't do it for every single case we went into. You have to judge it by the case and what's happened and what's been reported but yes mm. we've certainly asked for medical histories and if people are on med- and we would also, yeah we would also strongly urge that um that these those sort of questions are actually not asked by investigators um unless you have access to uh, they don't have to be a member of the team but then you've got a confidentiality issue but do you have access to the uh, the correct level of knowledge to understand the answers, and also, do you, you know, have you considered the ethical uh, situation of asking those sort of questions? You know, you've got it's to. It's bear- a thing that you'd steam in twice not to ask you about medications because, it, in a lot of cases, it's not relevant. Uh, there is a line that you wear somebody's asked you to look at their ghost not I know several investigators that have actually go through the medicine cabinet of their clients I think that I mean that's 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 you know completely and utterly wrong um, for them to do that unless unless it's relevant and unless you know dealing with going to a big manor house or a big castle or a, a penitentiary is completely different than going into somebody else's house. And ethics is, is something that I think many ghost hunters nowadays in particular, because there doesn't seem to be that many private house investigations. I mean, back in the day, um, they w- they formed the majority of, of, of our initial caseload. Um, but nowadays, the modern ghost hunters seem, you know, more content with going from haunted building to haunted building in groups on a Saturday night and paying for the privilege. Uh, there are still groups who undertake private cases. But if you look at the, the way that they're doing it ethically, it's it's a really, really you know dangerous situation that they're putting themselves in and potentially also putting the clients in. As you say, a lot of people don't have that experience, so what are they going to do with the knowledge they get? Here's the contents of my medicine cabinet. Great. <laughs> well, what it now? As Steve said, you need somebody who at least knows what, what they're talking about if you're going to go down that route. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there is so many uh, questions ethically, if not morally, uh, about doing that um, if you're not trained for one and then do you have really have the permission of the, the client I mean you're you're invited into their home or whatever it's 
So if I'm convinced I've seen a ghost and someone comes in and goes, right, now I just want to ask you about your mental health and what drugs are you on? Can I have a look in your drugs cabinet? I'll probably <laughs> go, do you know what? Get out of the house. <laughs> exactly. I think, in, I think in all of the cases that we've done in private cases, it did, uh, I can think of one where the medication actually was uh, featured and the and the, it was relevant. Because I can't think of any others. People who may have um, complex mental health issues, people who are on a variety of drugs, that doesn't mean they don't see ghosts as well. Exactly. I was going to say. I was going to say my line then. <laughs> I might just have seen a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I think as well, Anne, we've got a few minutes. Can you put to bed this myth that I've been struggling with for for quite some time, particularly on this radio show, um, that parascience are debunking sceptics who don't get on with mediums and don't believe in anything? That's pretty much it. That's absolutely not true. Um, I hope Steve doesn't kill me for this, but we have quite a wide catalogue of experiences that have happened to us um, that I certainly can't explain away as anything other than paranormal. Um, we, we come across sometimes to people who aren't maybe listening properly as people who are just debunking everything, but that's not true. We're just trying to get to the core of what's going on. And if we're really lucky there might be a ghost at the end of this. You know, really? we, we don't debunk everything. We debunk the rubbish. If people are coming out with rubbish, we'll come down on it like a ton of bricks and tell you and explain why you're wrong. But that doesn't mean that we're sceptics who don't believe that there are things out there. And we've worked with mediums on a number of occasions. And they've all lived to tell the tale. Yeah. That we know <laughs> The interesting is any. Well, I don't know. No, all right. I'm not. I'm gonna, I just thought of something. I'm just let that go for a minute. But um, go on, go on, go on. Spit no, it out. No, 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 no. I don't want to go out. You coward! You coward! Oh. You yeah, coward. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, have you, as far as when when you do get cases, and and I assume you do still do investigations, correct? Yeah. And is it, do you do a follow up with the, your results and, uh, and, and how are your results taken is by, by the client or whoever? I hate that word client, by the way, uh, by whoever uh, has asked you to come. Okay. Well, the first question is what would you call them? I, I just hate that word. It sounds like, I don't know. It just, yeah, what else so, would you call them? Victim? What? Actually, actually, do you know, in the sense of having your modern ghost hunters turn up at your door, actually, victim, actually, you know, pretty, pretty well fit. <laughs> I was the victim of a K2 meter. <laughs> mm-hmm. anyway. uh, yes, we do, um, because you can't just wander into somebody's house or place of work, sit there, spend time uh, examining, you know, their ghost, and then go away and tell them nothing. You know. Mm-hmm. They're there for. They've invited you in. Um, they've contacted you. They've you know they've they want they want answers. 
they've asked questions and they want answers to the questions and you're the person that they've turned to to provide the answers so you know your duty of care to the clients is to respond as best you can to their questions right i guess yeah so then then we go back and we put it all on facebook the next morning Oh, I don't tell that. I don't, you know. And, put you know, and, we, and we, we tweet live throughout the investigation. <laughs> uh, you know, tell, tell people what we found. And we ask them to click like. You know, don't forget to click like. That's important nowadays. And then we give ourselves awards. Oh, yeah. Uh, award. We award each other things. Good, good. And, um, yeah. Good, good. You'll fit well in with the U.S. And that's all the stuff we do here in the U.S. Anyway, the uh, do you going back to you know answering the the, the client uh, questions and do you give them a written report at the end or or is it you know is it a compilation of DVD evidence or uh, and when, what if you have no evidence? We've used we've we we we'll, we've used whichever method is most appropriate for the client. Some of them we've supplied a written report for. Others we've been able to, you know, they just want somebody to talk to and an explanation, you know, to a simple question that we've been able to provide without, you know, giving them chapter and verse on stuff. And some people it's just inappropriate. They just don't want that sort of level of information. They don't a care. A lot of people, they don't even necessarily want you to investigate the ghost and see <laughs> no apart from that <laughs> they don't necessarily want you to investigate and find what's going on they just want to speak to somebody about the fact that there's something going on and just having well, a chat with them is all they want I hate to say this, the, website. the show's over so anyways the tunes are playing we're on our way out so we've been speaking with Ann Winspar from Parascience and of course Steve Parsons and I'm Ron Kolick until next week good night and God bless everyone night. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.